Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. The Lord's been talking to me very strongly about some things, about people, he doesn't even know this, being involved in the work of the ministry here in the local church. Uh, How necessary it is for every person to put their hand to the plow and to uh, serve their way into their ministry. That's an extremely important thing, what I just said. I know um, when you have purpose, which I love what he was saying just a moment ago, it's important that that purpose is not just to uh, cause you to elevate in life some way, but it's for you to serve the Lord on the way up. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah or something. Now, y'all help me because I can do this in like 10 minutes. But if you don't help me, you know, it takes like 11 minutes. So it's really important that you help me in this right now. And so the Lord began to talk to me about restoration and how there are so many people in the body of Christ, uh, not just here, you know, this summer has been a real busy summer for me. And I've spoke many times in different places and to a lot of different congregations. And I've had this thing in my spirit. Uh, everywhere I've gone, the Lord's talked to me about restoration. And I and has given me a unique word every time in Hawaii, uh, speaking to thousands of people in Hawaii on restoration and many people giving their life to the Lord in California, people giving their life to the Lord in Kentucky, people giving their life to the Lord in London uh, and in other places where I have traveled around this summer. It's been a very busy summer in the past 10 weeks or so. And here's what I found out. God is the God of restoration. God says, I will restore uh, in Joel chapter 2 the things that the enemy tried to steal from you. Uh, It's one thing for God to give you something. It's another thing for God to restore where you are and cause a supernatural restoration. For instance, God doesn't just give you a new family. He might just save everybody in your family and make everything new. I mean, I would say that's a new family right there. And when you begin to read in the Scriptures, and the more I've read this, the more I've seen it. In Mark chapter 5, there was a man... Uh, that had a a demon. He was a demoniac, and probably you know the story. But uh, Jesus uh, cast out the the demons out of him, and when he cast them out, there were thousands of them, the Scripture says, because we are many. Uh, It's how he said it. And so he cast them out. It's It's a Roman military term that that demon told Jesus when he spoke to him like that. And when he did, the Bible says the man got his right mind. How many of you are glad that God knows how to give you your right mind? And he got his clothes back. When the people came from the city and they found this demoniac, he was clothed. He was calm. He was sitting there. And the scripture says he was in his right mind. Just think about that. And then if you got on down to uh, verse 18, 19, and 20, uh, he says to Jesus, Jesus, I want to go with you. And when he said, I want to go with you, Jesus said to him, no, I need you to go back to your home. I need you to go back to your friends and I'm going to give you a ministry. You're supposed to, right there, you're supposed to go and begin to tell them about the goodness of God. Isn't that interesting that when God begins to restore in your life, it's it's going to recover for you 
and it's going to build up. This man must, he was a demoniac and he had 6,000 demons. He, he called himself Legion. And he must have been a guy who was kind of up and coming at that time because he already had a home. He already had a social network around him. Uh, and now he has a purpose, a calling from God. And instead of him getting on the boat and traveling with Jesus and becoming one of the armor bearers of Jesus, Jesus said, no, I need you to go right back there uh, where, where the enemy tried to destroy you. And you go back and you get your home. I'm going to give it back to you. This guy's a demo- ex-demoniac. And God says, I'm giving you back your house. I'm giving you back friends. I'm giving you a ministry that's going to have an impact in this region. And Jesus was so confident of that, he got in a boat. He comes over, ministers to one guy in a graveyard, gets back on a boat and leaves again. Just think about it. If God would use us, we think we have to go do this and we got to go do that and we've got to uh, go around the world. And say, I don't know why God sent me to Lamarck, Texas, but I know He did 35 years ago. And uh, speaking of opportunities to go anywhere, of course, we've been fortunate. I've been able to preach in 30 countries now. Isn't that a blessing to say that? From 601 Delaney Road in Lamarck, Texas, to go personally to about 30 nations and preach the gospel right here from good old Lamarck, Texas. Look, you can go anywhere in the world you want to. From 601 Delaney Road, you just have to want to in Jesus' name. And you've got to be willing then to put your hand to it. And so not everybody's called to to travel to 30 countries and do all of those things, but we're either called to go or we're called to help send someone. And we made a decision that we were going to uh, uh, stay connected in the home where God had placed us. I'm not talking about my house. I'm talking about the home, the local church where God had placed us. And that's what we do. We help establish and raise up ministries who then established local churches. Uh, It's a blessing to be able to say that. Now, when that demoniac got cast out, instead of Jesus saying, get in my boat and and just kind of join the evangelistic crusade or the posse, here's what I want you to do. You go to your home. And you go to your friends. And now you go to that region uh, right there and you begin to share the goodness and the power of God. God will restore. He restores. He'll give you back what hell has tried to destroy and take from you. That highly implies that the devil doesn't want your house to be blessed, your home to be blessed. He doesn't want you to be an influence factor around your acquaintances nor your friends. But you're anointed. Come on, touch someone and say, I'm anointed. Come on, just tell them. You're anointed with the Holy Ghost. You've been set free and God will will begin to do a new thing, but He does it a new way. Now listen to this in Isaiah 43. If you read Isaiah in its context, Isaiah 43, we love Isaiah 43 because God says, behold, I will do a new thing. But if you read it in its context, here's the situation. God has a great history of every time Israel would miss God, somehow God would deliver them. And He would deliver them. And He would deliver them. And then they would serve Him for about 40 years and then they'd go back into idolatry of some kind. And then they would go through that for a while and go into captivity and then God would deliver them. Here comes one of the prophets and one of those that begin to to minister. And it starts and it goes on and on all through the Bible from Genesis on. You see that. And so in Isaiah... Here Israel's kind of been rocking along thinking that God's always done it this way. He always delivers us out of something. But this time God says something to him. Stay with me on this. 
uh, in Isaiah 43, and we referenced this last Sunday night. Pastor Josh preached a great message, and the Holy Ghost began to talk to me about this so strong. I said, man, we got to do this. Listen to this. And so now Israel, they've been crying out to the Lord for help, and they think they've taken it for granted that God's going to do it just because that's the way He's always done it. And listen to what God says. Thus saith the Lord, uh, your Redeemer, this is Isaiah 43, 14, whoever's on the camera up, I mean, upstairs. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, uh, the Holy One of Israel, uh, for your sake I have sent to Babylon, He begins to tell them, and I have brought down all of their rulers and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships, those who were coming long distance to try to destroy you. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. How many of you glad God still sets His people free? Yeah. And He says, Now thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. It's got to be understood. God says, uh, not just in the drought, not just in the barren way. He said, I even make a way in the sea. I'll even deliver in floods and all of those things. Thank God forevermore. Uh, verse 17, which brings forth the chariot and the horse. He says, here they come uh, against you, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. He, he says, they'll be destroyed, they'll die. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched like the tide, as tow, like the tide. Uh, verse 18, and he begins to talk to Israel. He says, but remember not the old way. Don't remember the way I did it before. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Someone shout now. Yeah. Now, watch this, it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? And he says, will you even recognize it? If you read that in, the, in, the, in Hebrew, it says, will you recognize it when I'm doing it right now? Uh, he said, I will even make a way in the wilderness. Not, I will deliver you out of the wilderness. I will make a way in the wilderness. He said, you're not going to recognize. Will you recognize it? You're thinking, I'm going to do it the old way. I'm going to do it a new way. I'm going to deliver you in it. Do you know what happens? When God begins, the word way right there means path, or we could use the word road. You know what happens when you put roads through a wilderness? It turns into a, a forest. It turns into a place where civilization can be. It turns into something that can grow and it can be, now it can be cultivated because now you have roads going through the wilderness. You know what happens when you put roads through a wilderness? Look me in the face. It's no longer a wilderness. And in the midst of it, God just changes that whole thing. See, we think we have to uh, do something the way that someone else did it a long time ago, but sometimes God says, no, I'm going to do it right here. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it. You thought that was an uninhabitable situation, but in the name of Jesus, I'm going to change it, and it's going to become a total different thing when I begin to touch you right where you are now. And then he says, and I will put rivers in the desert. Can I just... You're already ahead of me now. I can see it. Do you know what happens when, when you get rivers running through a desert? It's no longer a desert. Now you can put water on it. You cultivate it. It goes from being a desert. You can farm it. Uh, and when you have rivers, all life is built around rivers. All over our globe. 
All life, it takes rivers for there to be life and for, for something to grow. And, and the scripture talks over and over in the book of Psalms how we're like trees that are planted by the rivers. Uh, I grew up in East Texas and there's so many creeks and rivers that run all over there. I mean, they're just everywhere. And I used to go look at these cypress trees and I'd go look at uh, oak trees along these uh, creek banks and along the river banks. And that, that tree may be way over there. And that banks uh, and that river will be over here. But I can tell you those roots just begin to go like this. And before long, they go down those banks, those muddy banks, and they're in that riverbed. And those trees are there forever. It seems like they just, uh, year after year, everything else may get burned up by the sun, but if your root system is in the bed of that river, come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Your leaves stay green. And you prosper all of the time. And God says, I'll put rivers in your desert. Just think, just think of the desert areas, the barren, the dry areas of your life. That's where God says, I'm going to bless you. In Luke 19, verse 41, 2 and 3, right in there, the Bible says, Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept because they did not recognize their time of visitation. They did not understand. And Jesus wept and he said, because of that, you'll go through all of these other problems. It's a very powerful thing to recognize. And right here, uh, uh, Israel did not understand in Isaiah, God was doing it a new way. He was going to, instead of relocate them, he's going to bless them right where they are and transform that. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe this is just a word for me. I I don't know, but I'm just telling you right now, this thing is powerful on the inside. You don't have to go through that divorce and you don't have to pack up and go because you're looking for God. You couldn't look and just hear God and bam, you can see it right there in Jesus' name. And he said, that's the people that I formed for myself. They'll show forth my praise. Now watch what what he said to them. We love this, this passage and I've got just a couple of minutes. Hear this. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, And thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. You didn't bring me the small cattle of your burnt offerings. Neither did you honor me with your sacrifices. I've not caused you to serve with an offering, nor wearied you with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money. Neither have you filled me with the fat of the sacrifice, but thou hast made me to serve with your sin." And you wearied me with your iniquity. That's important because God was telling Israel, you expect me to do it like I used to do it. And the problem is you became complacent. And because of that complacency, you begin to move over into sin. You begin to get into iniquity and you expect me to serve and to bless in your life. And you're not willing to even bring an offering. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the Bible right here. Look at two people and say, oh, wow, come on, tell them that. Uh, most Christians don't know that's in Isaiah 43. When we talk about, uh, behold, I will do a new thing. God was actually telling them, are you going to recognize it when it happens? How would you recognize it if when things were good, you were not obeying the Lord? And now he says, you think just because of tradition and history, it's going to happen. Verse uh, 25. I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions. He said, I don't want to serve 
I don't want to work in your life with them. I want to remove them. I'm the one who take them out of your, uh, for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. And then he says, so put me in remembrance. Plead with me and declare why you should be justified. Why don't you tell me? After he's just told them what they've not done and how they've not obeyed him and they've not turned from their sin and all of that. And he's saying, why don't you tell me why I should do that? Because I'm not trying to do it the old way when Moses would offer the sacrifice and and Joshua would have them shout and the wall would fall and they were trying to possess and keep going. He said, I'm doing it a whole different way this time. You won't recognize it because your sin got in there. Whoo, my goodness. Look at two people and say, who stirred him up? He should have preached that in California. That's what should have happened. So we should understand that God talks to us. And that He tells us to always be prepared to hear Him in the now. And the way we do that is we don't take it for granted that God requires us to follow His Word and His Spirit. His grace is sufficient for every circumstance. And then He says, so now let's plead together. Uh, he said, first your father sinned, your teachers transgressed against me, therefore I profound, uh, profane Uh, the princes of the sanctuary and have given Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproach. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Come on, someone shout, I'm chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made you and formed you from the womb, which will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and uh, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Woo, glory to God and floods upon the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. And they'll spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water course. I think we ought to throw our hands up in the air right there and just say, God, that's me. I'm thirsty. Fill me, Lord. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord with me right now. Come on, musicians. Lord, I thank you for the anointing that is in this house today. We are not people Lord, we are not people who back off and turn around and go the other way. We do not take sin lightly. And we do not take your house lightly. I thank you for men and women in the house of God on Wednesday night who love you, Lord, with an everlasting love. I thank you for every man and woman that comes through the doors of this house that are thirsty and that are seeking God with all of their heart. Oh God, let your anointing, let your anointing fill us. Let your glory fill this house. Lord, we will never ask you to serve with our sin, oh God. Oh Lord, set us free. Open our eyes. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 17, 5 says that Israel turned. Jeremiah was weeping when he was preaching it. And he said, they did not see when good came. One translation says they did not recognize when good came. God is a good God. And so many times, we think the grass is greener somewhere else. We think something else over here, because we're Americans. And because we have ambition. And we think we always have to be doing something else. How about God, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness right now. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I see 
that you have set me free from something, from some place in life. You've brought me to a place in my life and you're good to me, God. And I'm not addicted to the American ambition. I'm addicted to serving the will of God. Those are two different things. Help me, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see it. Help me to see it, Jesus. Glory to God. Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. Mephibosheth was out in a place called Lodibar. And in Lodibar, listen, Mephibosheth was a prince. He was the son of a guy named Jonathan who had a covenant with David. How many of you know this story? Wave your hand. David had a covenant with Saul's son who was going to be the king when Saul died. The problem is Saul and Jonathan both got murdered one day and a coup took place and there was an overthrow. And when when it happened, Jonathan had a son who was just a young little, little boy and his nurse picked him up and took off trying to flee Uh, So maybe they wouldn't kill everybody in there trying to escape. And the scripture says she stumbled or somehow she dropped him and she broke his feet. He became lame in his feet. The little boy did. She picked him up and kept on going. He wound up out in a place called Lodabar. And Lodabar was a place of barrenness. It comes from a word that just literally means no contact. It's way out there. And he winds up in the house for somewhere between 15 and 20 years. He winds up in the house of a man named Mikor. And his name just literally means slave trader. He was a a trader of slaves and other things in a very remote area. If you wanted to buy a woman, you could go to this guy. And the scripture says... Here's Jonathan out there for all of these years. He's crippled. If he he reveals that he is the rightful heir to the throne, he thinks that he's going to be killed. Someone say restoration. Restoration. He He thinks he'll be killed. And he's out there going through some extremely, extremely difficult life. Uh, if If I broke it down to you and showed it to you from the Scripture, I promise you, you would think that we were talking about right here. His lifestyle got really bad. And then the Bible says one day David had become the king. And David had a covenant with Jonathan. And David said, I wish there was someone left. This is almost 20 years after Jonathan had been killed. I wish there was someone out of Saul's lineage. He said, because of Jonathan, I made a covenant that I would protect him He would protect me. I would bless his family. He would bless my family. I would do what I could to take care of him. He would do it to take care of me. But he got killed. But David said, I still want to honor that. I wish there was somebody left from 20 years ago. The Bible says there was a servant named Ziba. Everybody say Ziba. Ziba is a type of the Holy Ghost. Listen. Ziba says, I was a servant of Saul. And he heard David say that. I was the servant of King Saul. And David says to him, well, is there anybody left of Saul's lineage? He said, yeah, 
He has a, uh, uh, his son Jonathan, Saul's grandson, lives out in Lodabar. And he's lame, he's crippled in his feet. How many of you know that you and I, we got dropped by our great ancestor Adam? And it created a problem. But our father had made a covenant with a savior before we were ever born. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Uh, and, And it included all kind of benefits. And the scripture says, he's out there. I can only imagine how Jonathan must have thought over that 20-year, 15 or 20-year period of time, like, I wish my grandfather Saul had not been so rebellious. I wish my father had not been killed. I would be the king today. I would be living in a palace. I would be eating like royalty and living like royalty. Maybe I could get good medical care for my, my, the lameness of my feet. I can imagine all of the thoughts that had to be going through him, but I can't tell anybody who I am or I'm afraid they will kill me. And when David found out about him, David said, go get him, Ziba. How many of you are glad the Holy Spirit doesn't care about where you are? He's going to come get you. Come on. He loves you with an everlasting love. And the scripture says, when, they, when Jonathan comes in, he thinks he's going to get killed. They bring him straight into the palace that he used to fantasize about, wishing it was his. And they bring him in. And when he gets before David, he falls down before David. And he says to David something like, why are you or even talking to me? I'm like a dead dog. And David said, well, it's not because of you. It's because of your father. We had a covenant for you. And then he said this to him, now... I'm going to restore to you the land of your father, which would be about a quarter of the kingdom. I'm going to give you back what you should have had as a prince. And I'm going to feed you at my table like one of my sons from now on. Now listen, and in one moment, come on, somebody shout now. He had restored everything he could have ever thought about, everything that had been lost. But he, in his mind, he was still in Lodabar. Because that's where he had been raised. He didn't know that, it, that his father had made a covenant with the king to protect him and take care of him all of his life. And so he said, how could you do anything to a dead dog like me like that? The word dead dog, it's a, it's a Hebrew euphemism. You can see this in, in study when you see it. It's, it was a Hebrew euphemism for a male prostitute. He said, man, I've been in some bad stuff. How could you ever do some? He's like, no, I'm not treating you like any of that. I have called you out of that and activated a covenant that was made by your father. Somebody shout restoration. Restoration. In one moment. But he didn't recognize it. He didn't see it when good came because he had not shifted himself to understand the goodness of God. I believe right where we are, we can just make a slight shift, a little alteration sometime in the way we think because everybody has a past. Everybody has demons, so to speak, that they have to overcome continually. Anytime the devil tries to remind you of your yesterday, why don't you remind him of his tomorrow? And just begin to give God the glory and the praise. I want to lay hands on you on the way out the door tonight. Listen to me. I want to lay hands on someone tonight 
who says, I'm asking God to cause me to recognize my moment of visitation. I do not want to miss when good comes, Jeremiah 17, 5. Luke 19, I want to know that season of visitation. Uh, 2 Samuel, I want to know that when God has called me, He's not trying to kill me, He's trying to restore something to me that I should have had. But because of the fall, I haven't been able to access it. I couldn't even reveal who I really am supposed to be. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.